know a lot about golf. It's time for those weekend golf guys. Well, we're waiting. On SB Nation Radio. And on SBNationRadio.com. Here's John Ashton and Jeff Smith. Just as the man said, it is us, those weekend golf guys. Or if in the here and now, it's these weekend golf guys. I'm John Ashton in studio. He is Jeff Smith in the Mobile Golf Cave. En route from one point to another point, And we're never quite sure which point is which. We do know they're pointy, though. They are pointy. That's all that counts, man. That is all that counts. <laughs> you know? It doesn't matter I'm where... Dropping. Doesn't matter where you are or how where you're going, as long as you're making good time. So That's right. I, you know what? There's two things about that. I always make good time. Believe me. Okay. And I'm just dropping pins all over the map. You got it. If I'm in the United States, baby, I'm <laughs> dropping pins everywhere. Gotcha. <laughs> well, good for you, man. Good for you. You know what we're going to talk about? We're going to talk about a myriad sub- different subject matter pieces here we're going to talk about playing playing games on course with yourself or by yourself that can help you kind of prove to yourself that you are indeed getting better and it's sometimes <laughs> you got to do them but when you're alone because other people will look at you funny and go to be a better, better 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 player and it didn't have a thing to do with him learning how to strike the ball differently it was play better, learn to use better strategy, learn to where to come in from, where to put your ball, why are you going to try to put it there? Boy, let me tell you, his eyes were open because he was usually, and, and this guy's a good player already, tournament golfer, and here's what was going on. He had the mindset of, I'm on the tee, I'm going to smash it, let's go find it and knock it close to the hole. Guess what? It only got him so far. He was always in a bad position to score. So I got him in a better position to score to let him navigate the golf course a little bit better, bring in the strategy part of the game. We talked about learning how to read what the architect is doing, what they're telling you, what's the superintendent telling you with the kind of cuts and the pins and where they are and where you should go, how you should get there. All right. Well, that sounds like something we can delve into when we get oh, a little yeah. further along. We're also going to talk about the 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 Matt Wolf wiggle. <laughs> oh yeah, baby! And how many people now saw him this past weekend? Going, well, maybe I'll try that to get better. Ways you oh, can, yeah. ways you can, and ways you should not try to get better. That and a whole lot more. It's coming up when we come right back. We are those weekend golf guys. Hang with us. Hi, it's John Ashton. You know, my wife and I both suffer with knee pain. She's a critical care nurse and spends 12-hour shifts on her feet. And you know me, I play golf now and again. You may have heard. Well, until recently, we thought the aches and pains were a fact of life that we had to deal with. But then we tried 100% drug-free relief factor. We've been taking your convenient packets three times a day. I was skeptical at first, but I'm a believer now. The Relief Factor secret is its four key ingredients. Each one works on a different metabolic pathway to help your body heal the inflammation that causes many everyday pains. If you have everyday aches and pains too, remember Relief Factor is 100% drug-free and is designed to be taken every day so you can get out and stay out of pain. To make it easy as possible for you to try Relief Factor, the father-son founder Seth and Pete Talbert have created a three-week quick start and discounted it to just $19.95. So do what I did. Go to relieffactor.com slash golf and order a three-week quick start for yourself. You'll be glad you did. Again, to claim your three-week quick start for 1995, go to relieffactor.com slash golf. 
Of course, we have a Facebook page, facebook.com slash golfguys. We would love it if you were to go there and like us. We'd love it even more if you'd go there and follow us, facebook.com slash golfguys. And thanks for hanging. We are here, Those Weekend Golf Guys. I'm John Ashton. He's Jeff Smith. You can always follow along with us uh, on Facebook, facebook.com slash golfguys. Now that the weather is broken and summer has actually come and the rains have stopped for a couple of days, things yeah, are finally. Dry- yeah, things are drying up. We, we will definitely be doing some more live from the golf caves uh, or from the golf courses on Facebook coming up in the not-too-distant future. But let's, let's get back to the, uh, to the wiggle. wiggle. The wolf wiggle. The wolf wiggle. <laughs> Matthew Wolf, first off, 20 years old, and I'm sure there are academ- academians, academ- ag- college professors. There you go. All over the world bemoaning the fact that he dropped out of college at the age of 20, turned professional, and in about a month made more money than most of them will in a lifetime. Yeah. He's got a big old grin on that face. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? He's sitting a little bit cockeyed now because his wallet got a whole lot fatter. It did. Real quick-like. Now it kind of remains to be seen. Is he a one-shot wonder? No. No. He... Uh, he's too steady. Okay. This, this is going this to is be... not a flash-in-the-pan guy. Okay. There's, there's real talent. There's real skill. Just watch. Okay. Time will tell. But the reality of this guy's move, it's just like Miller Barber's move, except more powerful, right? More explosive version of that. It's just, you know, it, it, it likens to, uh, to Ray Floyd and some of the things that Lee Trevino used to do and some of the things that Jim Furyk does only to a, a larger degree. So let's understand, this guy takes it back. His right hand is more on top of the club. He takes it back. It goes a little outside the target line. The club head is outside of his hands, and it stands up. And his elbow goes out behind him, and it crosses the line, and it's up. A lot like Furyk, except it goes across the line more. And then all of a sudden, as he gets into his downswing, his elbow drops in and moves forward toward the target line, and his hand goes back, and the club head goes back, and it comes in on an inside pass. He's doing the loop that works. Mm-hmm. Got heavy, it? Heavy emphasis on those two words. That works. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the loop and the one that works. Yeah, that works. <laughs> I, I understand that I um, heard a, a little anecdote that when he was being recruited for college, uh-huh. there was one college coach who did a, a visit to his home and said yeah. to him, and I quote, can't wait to get you on campus so we can fix your swing. And That's his, what he's not going to do. And his dad said, thank you for coming. Uh, here's your hat. What's your hurry? My son will never be playing for you. And I should yeah. the man out the door. That's, there's there's a, there's a lot of truth in that statement that I see uh, and, and guys who, who put kids into college. Guys like Jason Sutton. We've had him on our program before. Guys like James Hong. Guys like James uh, John Dunnigan. We've had these great teachers on our show, and we all lament the fact that they take someone who they recruit, and this player, they're recruiting them because they're already skilled, because they can already produce, and they're producing it better than other people that they're trying to recruit, but yet for some reason in their minds, and and I'm not indicting all college coaches or many college coaches, just a few of them that actually do this, Mm -hmm. is 
that they think for some reason that this person that they're trying to recruit to play on their team and they really want them because they're good, they think that they are the coach and the person to make them better by making them in the, the view that they hold as opposed to understanding what is it about this player that makes them so good. That's a difficult scenario. Isn't that a bit of arrogance on the part of the coach? Well, yeah. Okay. <laughs> but, <laughs> I but, mean, we're not mentioning any names here, so you can agree. No, no, you know. but, but let me say this. If, if there's a college coach out there that doesn't think they can do something to make their players better, they should probably not be coaching. Right. Right? Right. Okay, so I, I don't. I don't want to say anything along the lines of the college coaches should just accept what they have and not try to do something to make them better because that's a ridiculous thing to say. But to take a guy like a Matthew Wolf or a Jim Furyk when he was in college or anybody with some unorthodox move that's not drawn up in somebody's book, mm -hmm. if that swing is repeatable and powerful and accurate, that's probably not the area that you should be messing around with to make that player a better player. You should go to the other areas and say, look, let's find out what your weakness is as a player and work on those things and become that kind of a coach for that player as opposed to, well, hey, uh, Matt Wolf, I, I really think that I need to change your golf swing and get it better. Wait a second. Why even recruit him in the first place if that's the case? Because now what you're saying to the kid is, ah, you're a project. Yeah. You're probably not going to play as a freshman because I want to mess with you uh, when I get you there. Now you're mine. I get to put my stamp on you. And that's probably not what a player wants to hear. No, especially not, not this type, this day and age, the guys no. who have uh, come so no. far so quickly. Uh, one thing, though, I, I do want to say, and again, I'm, I'm trying not to cast aspersions upon anybody in particular, but I would think that a coach who acted that way would be a coach who, unlike you and the teachers of your ilk, who can look at a, at a player of, of any capacity and understand what makes them good or what it is that makes them not so good and work to improve the not-so-good parts, I would think that maybe not understanding what he's doing when he swings like that, when a when a Jim Furyk or a, or a Matt Wolf swing like that, would be the reason why the coach would want to change because they don't know how to make you better doing what you're doing because they don't know how what you do makes you as good as you are. I agree with everything you just said there. Okay, great. Thank you. I, 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 it, it, look, this is not a first, but it's almost there where I've actually agreed with everything that just flew out of your mouth. I know. I've, <laughs> I've, right? I've, I took that phrase, and we're going to actually record that, put it on a continuous loop. And, and just, <laughs> play it in your house. <laughs> and just play it now and again. You know, if I could just get, get you and then get my wife to say that and just play them back to back, I'd be, I'd be a happy camper. You know? So here's here's the thing to do with your wife. Just walk around with a microphone and and find and 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 like put the word agree up on the up on the window or something and, and and say, Hey honey, what's that say? And she'd say, I agree and you recorded it. 
Actually, what would happen in my house is I'd put the words up on the wall and say, hey, honey, what does that say? And she'd look at me and say, something that I would never say in real life. (laughs) Absolutely true. So there you go, man. That's right. So I'll just just have to just take my one win with you and move along. That's right. Hey, listen, I I saw something. um, I forget. I think it was uh, Greg Norman who is credited with saying that uh, what he does is he practices only the things that he finds that cost him strokes. Yes, I learned that directly from him. I asked him a question one time, and I said, I was fortunate enough to be with him for about an evening, and, and I had the opportunity to ask one of the greatest players who's ever competed major champion winner, number one in the world, all these things. And I got to ask him some questions. And one of them that I asked him was, I said, could you please tell me what were the real things that you focused on in your practice? He says, it's very simple. I practiced the things that were going to cost me strokes mm-hmm. in tournaments so, more than anything else, so why whatever can't- that was. So why can't the rest of us kind of adapt that sort of a training methodology or a practice methodology? And Jeff is going to tell you how you can do that and become much more better as soon as we come right back. Hang on. Why don't you follow us on Twitter? It's very easy. Just go to twitter.com. We are at WKND Golf Guys. That is it. WKND Golf Guys on Twitter. Follow us. We'd love it. 85% of people who play daily fantasy sports lose. Is it surprising? Of course not, because you're playing against thousands of other lineups, not to mention experts. They've got more tools and more time, and you don't stand a chance. That's why I love Stat Hero. This is the first ever daily fantasy sports book that puts the player in control and winning within reach. It's, it's one-to-one. Stat Hero shows you their lineup and dares you to beat them. So it's you versus the house head-to-head fantasy matchups. I did the U.S. Open. They told me who they had. I picked who I wanted. My guys are going to beat theirs. It is easy, and I am in control. Stat Hero, daily fantasy sports the way it was meant to be, one-on-one. Go to stathero.com slash golfguys and sign up for free. Do it right now. And right now, you can get three times back on your first play. They're giving you a 300% match, and that's unheard of. Go to stathero.com slash golfguys. Stathero.com slash golfguys. Texting enrolls you into reoccurring automated text messages. Message and data rates may apply. Come on, one more rep. You got this. There it is. Nice one. You're a beast. Thanks, man. I feel better than I have in years. And I got to tell you, taking Nugenics makes a huge difference for me. Nugenics? That's the uh, testosterone booster with TV ads with Frank Thomas. The big hurt, right? Oh, yeah. The patented key ingredient is Testafin, which helps boost free testosterone levels and increase lean muscle mass. Well, it's clearly working for you. Hey, are they still giving out complimentary bottles for people to try for themselves? Yeah. Nugenics is a great way to increase lean muscle and feel stronger with more energy and endurance. Man, I need to get a complimentary bottle of Nugenics. No problem. You just got to send them a text. Text SPARK to 321321 right now for your complimentary bottle of Nugenics, the number one selling free testosterone booster at GNC. Plus, text now and we'll include a bottle of new Nugenics Thermo, our most powerful fat incinerator ever, to help get you back into shape fast, absolutely free. Text SPARK to 321321. That's SPARK to 321321. You know, 
know you can go online and get recipes from the best restaurants in the in the world, right? And you can u- use that same recipe and you can use the same ingredients and you can try it and you go, man, at the restaurant it tasted so much better than this. What's the difference? The difference is the quality of the kitchen tools. Your professional chef has access to the best kitchen tools and so do you now. With Made In's professional quality cookware and kitchenware, anyone's capable of making restaurant-quality food at home. Made In produces professional-quality cookware for those who love to cook directly to you without the markup. Right now, Made In is offering our listeners 15% off your first order with the promo code GOLFGUYS. This is the best discount available anywhere online for Made In products. Go to madeincookware.com slash golfguys and use the promo code GOLFGUYS for 15% off your first order. Madeincookware.com slash golfguys. Use promo code GOLFGUYS. And we're back. I'm John Ashton. He's Jeff Smith. We are Those Weekend Golf Guys. You can find us anytime, thoseweekendgolfguys.com, or also uh, Facebook if you want to follow along with us and and, uh, go to facebook.com slash golfguys. Always easier to communicate with us there. Uh, Follow us or like us. uh, Do both. Why not? One extra click to do both. And you can uh, be alerted to all of the Facebook Lives that Jeff will be doing in the not-too-distant future. Live from the golf cave, live from the golf course. And some instruction, going to get you better. You watch it every Thursday or Friday morning, and then by the time you go play your weekend round, bam, you're uh, much more improved. There you go. So talk about being much more improved. Getting back to your uh, your brush with greatness there, your, your evening talking to Greg Norman and the whole concept of practicing what it is that costs you strokes. Yeah, so I, I understood what he told me right away. And then I elaborated on my questions mm-hmm. and I said, so beyond just a club, let's say your driver's giving you trouble. Of course, you're going to go practice those. He said, yeah, most of the golf course practice that I did, I would go to the course and learn how to make myself better in those situations. What he said he did was he had different shots that he knew were coming his way in the upcoming tournaments that he was going to go play. So he knew the golf courses. He knew what the conditions historically are at those golf courses. And he would go find the scenario wherever he needed to be to put himself in that situation to practice getting out of it really well. So if he knew, for example, that he was going to drive the ball certain distances, he was very consistent widely known as one of the greatest drivers of the golf ball, you know, one of the top 10 greats. So he knew that was his strength and he knew what clubs he would have in coming in. And he also knew the golf course coming up and he gave me an example. And he said about four holes on this golf course, when I hit driver, I'm going to be hitting mid to short iron. So uh, six iron through nine iron off of a downhill lie to an uphill green. So, Naturally, I asked, so that means you'd go find that scenario and go practice it? And he said, absolutely. That is a great example of what I would do, is I would go find that scenario on a golf course, and it didn't matter where it was, but I would hit those clubs off those lies 
he would work on on the golf course, hitting him off of mounds where the ball's above his feet, below his feet, where he's standing on top of the dome on on a top of a mound, and the ball's below his feet and forward and back and all those things. And and because what he knew was that sometimes those shots are going to cost him shots by not getting them close enough. Right. So he gave me an evening full of some of the wisest information as a player that he would go do. He would tell me some things that he would do. He'd hit a lot of shots out of the face of a bunker on the grass, right above the face, like if you were, it didn't quite catch onto the green, and it was just on that big, steep upslope. Right. He'd practice practice a lot of those shots. He'd do it with different clubs. He would do it with different lies, thick grass, tight grass, all sitting behind grass, a clump of it. He would do every single thing that he could do. And so now I share that with an awful lot of the players that I work with. For example, earlier in the show, I said, hey, I just got back from working with a great, you know, a really good player, tournament player, and he needed more work to be a better player. I took some of those concepts that I had learned a long time ago from the great Greg Norman, and, and we made things up on the golf course. We did different things. I had him play a three-ball scramble. I learned this from a, a great golf professional friend of mine, Joe Bosco, who's got this great book out there. Everybody ought to go get this thing. It's called Real Golf. In his book, and, and Joe and I have talked together before, and, and we've talked a lot about these things. These on-course learning experiences really make you a better player of the game. And, and one of them is a three-ball scramble. And you just go out there, and you're going, okay. And you know what these things do? They give you three whacks at every shot, and you get so much out of it. You get confidence built. You get to have three whacks at something, John. Yeah. You get to go play the best one. You know what that does? Yeah, you, you get crazy. It's even better than having a mulligan on every shot, man. You got two. That's right. So then we change it up. We build it up, and then we start to add some challenge. I love to play worst ball. <laughs> Not just worst ball off the tee. That means you're hitting two balls. So if your first one's good, guess what? Your second one's got to be just as good or better, or you don't get to play that one. Oh, okay. All <laughs> right. Now go do it on the next shot, too. Uh-oh. Oh, yeah, John. Go do it on the next shot, too. Uh-oh. 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 Yeah. Uh, go do it on the putt, too. Uh-oh. 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 Now, all of a sudden, and then we vary it, right? Then what we did is, is I took my player and I said, okay, so now we're going to play three-ball scramble, and let's go do this for nine holes, and then the next nine holes, we're going to go play worst ball. And then we went out the next day, and we said, all right, we're going to play 18 more, but we're going to go three-ball scramble on the first hole, worst ball on the second hole, two-ball scramble on the third hole, and worst ball on the first and second shot only and play your ball in from there. So we started to vary the game. And all of a sudden, he started to focus better. He was happy with the strike. He was happy with the flight. His brain got engaged better. It was really interesting to see him morph from being a, a good player but a bad chooser. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, he's taking different clubs. And then he's looking at it going, okay, what does it take for me to have a better shot here? 
if I want to be able to use this shot, it isn't just standing out there with nine out of my hand gunning it at the flag. Nope. All of a sudden, it's like, okay, to really get a better outcome, what is the architect telling me? How do I get a better outcome here? What do I need to do to get this ball to turn out to be a better location to score from? Because if I'm playing this, and all of a sudden I'm playing the worst ball, and I've just hit a good one, i got to hit another one that's better than the one I just hit. Right. Now all of a sudden the thinking begins. And that's that's something, let me give you, a lot of people are saying, yeah, well, I'm not a tournament player. Um, no. I don't play the same. It makes same. everybody better. Yeah, it, it does. And there's something that you can practically not only use it to get better, but use it in, in the in the near term, just as, as you're saying, the maybe the thinking more part. I played in a scramble yesterday, okay? And the yep. scr- scramble was on a pretty tough golf course. But I knew that I was going to be a member of a four-person team. One member of that team was a female golfer who's really, really good off the tee. So Cheater. I said, so why do I need Cheater. to? Yeah, why do I need to practice my drives? I don't need to practice my drives because she's going to get a fifty to hundred yard head start on me. I'm not going to be able to outdrive her. So what do I need to do better than anybody else? Well, there's two things I practice, and I practice them a lot prior to the teeing off on the scramble. One was putting, of course. Uh, because you can never be too good of a putter in a scramble situation. I, I made three birdie putts, by the way. Ooh. Yeah, and twice it was I let off. I was the first to putt. Oh, that's even better. Yeah, ostensibly to show them the line, and it was like, yeah, never mind. <laughs> yeah. There, there's the line. I hope you caught it because you're never going to need it. But but you know what that does for your brain? I mean, of course you do. It just happened to you. You're, It fed you. Oh, yeah. It gave you confidence right away. You're just out there going, all right, I'll, I'll just throw it out there and you guys read it. And all of a sudden, you read it well, you hit the ball well, you hit it the right speed, you hit it the right line, and all of a sudden, bam, your brain said, yeah, I don't need you people. Right. But, but again, <laughs> there, again, there wasn't, there wasn't that um, knee-knocking, oh, my God, i got to get this right. It was like, I, I don't care. I think I know what I'm doing. But if I don't, there's still three more people got my back. So, yeah. so there was not as much pressure on myself because uh, all of us, especially when you're sitting over a ball that you want to make sure, oh, i got to get a birdie, you put pressure on yourself. But the other thing I practiced, and this is I was so proud of myself because it, it actually came, came into play. I figured, okay, she's a really good driver. We're going to have a bunch of par fives. And if she hits really good drives from the ladies' tee, on some of the typical par fives on this course, we're going to have a 200 to 215 yard second shot. Uh-huh. My range with a three wood. How about that? So I spent I spent a lot of time practicing the three wood, and on the final hole, a uh, final of our 18, it was a par five, and we were 208 yards from the green. And I hit the shot. And one of the guys playing said, this is, uh, this is your wheelhouse, isn't it? And I went, yeah, I'll take that. I'll take that. Yeah. So, so all of a sudden, what, Mr. Duffington did not show up? No, Mr. Duffington, I left him in the parking lot. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. But see, and I wasn't standing over saying, 
oh boy, I hope I get this three wood right. It was because I had taken, you know, maybe 15, 20 practice strokes with it on the practice tee prior to starting. And I knew exactly what I had that day. As we have often said, you know, practice a little bit before you tee off so you know what you have. And, um, interesting. Yeah. yeah some, you know what I find interesting in this whole conversation that we're having right now? What's that? Is that you actually showed up early enough prior to teeing off and actually worked at something under the guise of wanting to get it right on the golf course. Really strange coming from Mr. Iverson. Yeah, yeah, that and the free lunch, man. What can I say? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> More tips. We got them. We'll be right back. Don't you move. Of course, we have a Facebook page, facebook.com slash golfguys. We would love it if you were to go there and like us. We'd love it even more if you'd go there and follow us, facebook.com slash golfguys. I'd say the perfect end to a round of golf is, of course, a round of drinks. What do you prefer to drink? You know, a lot of us in the past few years have been going with the Arnold Palmer. You know, that combination of brewed iced tea and lemonade. Some people say, well, that's not quite enough of a kick. Well, how about this? Arnold Palmer Spiked. The same fresh brewed tea, the same real fruit juice with 5% ABV. Now you're talking. It is going to be your go-to drink all summer long. You can have it at the lake, on the links, Anywhere you're going to be this summer, nothing beats an Arnold Palmer Spiked for refreshment. Tastes so good. Find Arnold Palmer Spiked in a store near you at arnoldpalmerspiked.com slash golfguys. That'll tell you where to go to get it. Or you can go to Drizzly and Instacart and look for it there. That's arnoldpalmerspiked.com slash golfguys. 2021 Hornell Brewing Company, Memphis, Tennessee. Malt beverage with natural flavor. Celebrate responsibly. If you're like me, you've been hearing a lot about burials and cremation lately. It's kind of a sad thought, but thousands of these poor souls have to be stored in these big refrigerator trucks, waiting sometimes weeks before they can be put to rest. And then and then the average funeral cost is over ten grand. I don't have that kind of money just lying around, do you? Everyone has the right to die with dignity, and an affordable burial policy can be had for as little as a dollar a day. Call Final Expense Network for a free quote. They shop for affordable rates from brand name companies, folks you've heard of. One call and you get coverage to finish well. You can even name your church as a beneficiary. Come on, you have loved ones. Don't leave them at the last hour of their need. Call now, 800-589-0470. That's the Final Expense Network at 800-589-0470. Finish well. Make a quick call to 800-589-0470. 800-589-0470. I really want to go down to the Dominican Republic to play golf. But before I go, I want to learn Spanish. I don't want to be one of those ugly American tourists that expects everybody to uh, adapt to me. Remember Spanish in high school? Donde es la biblioteca? Like, I'm going to walk into Santo Domingo when I get to the Dominican Republic, and the first thing I'm going to do is ask where the library is. Thanks to Babbel the number one selling language learning app. I have an addictively fun and easy way to learn that Spanish now. You can learn a language too, whether you want one for traveling abroad or just connecting in a deeper way with some of your family or relatives. You just have some free time and say, hey, it'll be cool to learn what? I don't know, Italian, French, German, Spanish? They have over 14 languages to choose from at Babbel. Right now, when you purchase a three-month Babbel subscription, you will get an additional three months 
free. That's six months for the price of three. Just go to Babbel.com and use the promo code GOLFGUYS. B-A-B-B-E-L.com, code GOLFGUYS. For an extra three months free, Babbel, it's language for life. Of course, we have a Facebook page, facebook.com slash golf guys. We would love it if you were to go there and like us. We'd love it even more if you'd go there and follow us, facebook.com slash golf guys. And we're back this weekend, golf guys. I'm John Ashton. He is Jeff Smith. And uh, yeah, the, the scramble, man, it was great because like, like you have drilled into my head for the last five years, figure out what it is you need to do, figure out what it is you want to do, and then learn how to do it right, or at least... Practice doing it right enough so that you've convinced yourself that you can't because the self-confidence is 50% of the battle, uh, at least, as long as you, you know how to accomplish what you want to accomplish. So we, we went over a few, a few ideas on some games you can play with yourself out on the course to turn 18 holes of golf into practice or to turn practice into fun, however you want to look at it. Yeah. Any other uh, wonderful tips? Yeah, yeah there's some things that I want that I, I want everybody to understand. Cool. Just because I'm doing this with a good player, taking him to the golf course, and playing different games and scenarios doesn't mean that the average Joe can't do that. Right. But here's the deal. So let's talk to you and everybody else who's the average Joe going, all right, give me some things to do that are real I can do on the golf course. Okay. So guys are sitting there going, all right, I need to be a better driver the golf ball. Okay, fine. Go out in the afternoons when nobody else is around and play, but hit two off the tee, pick one up, right? So that way you're getting better at playing golf on the golf course instead of just going to the driving range. If nobody's behind you, hit two. Right. Don't hit ten. Hit two. Because the second you get too many balls down there, then all of a sudden your brain doesn't engage like it has to hit the shot, which is why I think it's important to play something like a three-ball scramble, right? You only hit three, but you want to hit each one of them well because you want to outdo the other one. Yeah. And then the other one that I like is worst ball off the tee because you still got to pay attention. You hit yourself a good one, and then you got to hit one better in order to play the good one. Right. Yeah. Right? And then if you hit a stinky one, now you go, man, I got to hit this one good, so that way I don't hit another stinky one. <laughs> right? So you got to you gotta know what you're doing because these things work for everybody. But when you're out there and you go, man, you know, the tees I play from, I hit the ball pretty decent off the tee. I'm hitting, I'm hitting a lot of nine irons, eight, eight irons into the greens. You know what that means? You're playing the right set of tees. That's what it means. Right. Right? Yep. But every time the guy gets the same guy gets a six iron or five iron or four iron in his hand on a par three or he, he hits one bad, he hasn't practiced that enough going into the green. Why? Because he doesn't drop a ball when he's playing at the yardage of a six iron, a five iron, or four iron and hits the dang thing on the green. He just goes to his ball. Right. So I suggest to everybody out there, when you're out playing in the late afternoons and nobody else is around, after you've hit your drives and you're on your way to the ball that you just hit from the tee box, drop another ball at a yardage or a lie that you struggle with 
hitting that shot, so you become more accustomed to hitting it. Mm-hmm. For example, I go out with players and I throw balls into the scenario that they currently continue to hit into to make them better at coming out. Going back to the very same scenario that Greg Norman talked to me about a long time ago was he practices the shots that cost him the most strokes when he plays. Right. So if you're constantly hitting it into the rough, of course you want to take a lesson, you want to hit it straighter so you don't hit it in the rough, but in the meantime, it sure makes a lot of sense to go hit it better out of the rough. So go throw balls into it and hit them out for practice. Here's one thing that I found out with all of my students. John, when you hit a ball sideways behind the tree into the rough, you're irritated when you get to your ball. You know why? Because <laughs> you, you hit it there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you haven't gotten over that yet. <laughs> okay. Right? Yeah. But the scenario completely changes when you and I go out on the golf course and I start throwing a ball into a situation like that. And I say, all right, John, what are you going to do? And then you start saying, all right, well, I'm going to take this six iron and I'm going to place this thing just a little forward in my stance. I'm going to chop down on it with this six, cut through the grass behind it. Something's going to launch up into the air. And you get a better shot, and you look at me, and you go, I never do it that well on the golf course. Yeah. Because I threw it there, and you didn't carry the baggage of I hit it there myself. Right. I did that. And didn't give. And you're just trying to get it out. And when you have that extra baggage, you also have the the lack of confidence about getting any better from that point on. That's right. Being able to uh, to actually do. the, the second shot. Uh, case in point, man, and, and this goes back to something you've been saying, man, and I don't want to sound like I'm tooting my own horn, but I'm not. I'm tooting your horn because anything I do good on the golf course is simply because you taught me how to do it. And one of the things you always suggest is to basically not only envision your shot, but call your shot. Oh, right? yeah. Uh, it was par five. Uh, it was my third shot. I was about, I don't know, maybe 115 yards from the green. An easy pitching wedge on my part, with the one exception being there's about a 35-foot tall tree in my direct line to the flag. I, I just way did you decide to deal with that? Well, my, my partner said, you're going to go under it or you're going to go around it? And I you said, didn't pull a chainsaw out of the back, did you? No, no. I they don't. I, I was playing at a course. They, they check for chainsaws before you go out. Man, it's terrible. They okay. Don't you, um, be a nice place. Unless, of course, you rent them from them. <laughs> you know, that's how it works. You know, they, don't exactly. want you, they don't want you to bring any. The, the big sign says, no alcohol, no food, no chainsaws. You know? It's ridiculous. <laughs> really? But no, I said, I said, listen, man. Well, I, like timber, Timberline Run or something <laughs> like that? I said, man, I'm going over the tree. He was like, good luck with that. But again, following the expert tutelage of one Mr. Jeff Smith. Uh, what is it? My uh, my, what would Jeff Smith tell me to do bracelet? Took the wedge, a little bit forward in my stance, lined up and just, I, I, I'm gonna, I don't want to say I swung hard, but I swung with authority and with confidence. 
And that sucker cleared that tree with inches to spare. <laughs> okay, maybe feet to spare. And dropped down about six feet from the flat. Ooh. And and the hitting it high, and it was a direct right on right on line with the flag, and hitting it high like that, it came down very steeply and basically stopped where it hit the green. I didn't have to worry about it rolling through or any of that stuff. Trajectory helps. Yeah. And it was like, man, where were the video cameras? Where's the instant replay? Jeff's got to see this, man. <laughs> I like hearing stuff like that. Honestly, when you said, you know, get out the, the, the what would Jeff Smith tell me to do bracelet, I thought for sure that you were going to pull that answer that you pulled one other time. You said, well, I'm going to go sit back and drink a beer and go sit in the golf cart. <laughs> I thought that's what was coming out next. <laughs> no, man. I've given up on no. I've given up on giving up. How's that sound, huh? <laughs> I like it. I love the perseverance. <laughs> that's fantastic. Yeah. So, but but I mean, it's, I, to, it's, to expand on that, okay. is that there are things that you can do like that that you can learn on the golf course what you're capable of. Yeah. This is why I'm a huge advocate of people when they go to the golf course that they don't always keep score, that they're out there sometimes for a different purpose, and that's to test themselves, mm-hmm. not in terms of the lowest number they can shoot all the time, but what can they do so they can create new shots, so they can learn how to deal with situations so that when they are playing for the purpose of scoring, that they actually have more arrows in the quiver. Yeah. They know that they can use them. And I love doing that with people. It's the knowing you can use it that that is probably the most operative there, too. Absolutely. The knowing it. Yeah. I've got this shot. Yeah. I don't need anything else. Nope. nope. I got this. Yep. I find it really rewarding to take someone to the golf course and make them a better player than they are just coming to me because I'm an expert in ball flight and getting them to hit it better or just giving them a putting lesson or a pitching lesson or a bunker lesson or those specific skills. I love getting people the skill of making better decisions. I love helping people navigate through the golf course in a safer yet more aggressive way. Notice I use safer and aggressive. And aggressive. Yeah. Well, and and again, going back to the the scramble um, that I played in, I don't want to call it an argument, but did have a bit of a conversation uh, where where the guy I was talking with had an uh, opposing opinion to me about about how to pick pick a, a drive to use. We had two drives, both in the fairway. One was a, a little bit closer than the other by maybe five yards. I mean, it was negligible distance difference. But the angle was substantially different. We had, right. we had one that was a, an angle into the flag that had no hazards to cross over whatsoever and had more green to miss on than the one that he insisted we play, which was closer, again, maybe 10 yards closer, 
And it was it was you know noticeable closer, but it was, was just, it his drive. No, it wasn't. It was his oh. wife's. It was his wife's. But you know. oh well, there you uh, go. He's going to have to live with that decision if you pick the other one. Right, and he See? did. He picked that one, and and he he picked the one with the more difficult approach, and you know everybody basically went through the green, and um, we only parred the hole. And and as right. as we walked off, he said, "I'm sorry, your drive was the better angle. Next time we'll go with the right angle." I yeah. Said, so okay. And there's a reason for that, right? There's a reason. Is that not everybody is a highly skilled player who has the ability to hit a ball over something, land it on something, and stop it. Yeah, especially the four of us. We had right. no idea how so to do that. This this is how we talk about it in terms of how the golf course architect tells you what to do. Yeah. You look at what's the best place to come into the green from and get your golf ball to go to some place. They're smart people. They're creative. They're witty. And, man, they are diabolical sometimes, <laughs> yeah. right? I know that's right. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Yeah. So they are – the golf course architect wins a lot. <laughs> it's like it's like they are the house in Las Vegas. That's how much the golf course architects win. <laughs> I wonder how much of being a golf course architect is trying to get back at all those guys who are better golfers than you. I'll teach them. I don't know. I'll teach them. <laughs> I don't know, but man, they, they make some beauties, don't they? They certainly do, man. They certainly do. Hey, uh, hopefully this helps. Hopefully you know a better technique to get better because we all have the capacity to get better we just got to pay attention we got to do it and we got to do it correctly so we'll throw that out there you can use the information however you want but hang out with us because we got more coming up in just a second Okay, so I'm at my annual checkup at the doctor, and he looks at me and goes, John, how am I going to get you to eat more fish? Come on. I know it's more healthy. I know I need to get omega-3s and proteins by eating fish, but what am I supposed to do? He handed me this brochure, and he said, here, my wife just got this for us. It's great. It's the Wild Alaskan Company. You know, they deliver high-quality, sustainably sourced, wild-caught seafood right to your door. And you can choose some salmon, whitefish, or get a combination. And every month, there are different specials to explore, too. Now, each shipment contains premium, wild-caught, individually-wrapped portions of delicious seafood. And they're very easy to cook, too. Wild Alaskan Company seafood is, is how nature intended it to be. It's always wild, never farmed or modified, and it contains no antibiotics. And right now, you can get $15 off your first box of premium seafood when you visit wildalaskancompany.com slash golfguys. That's wildalaskancompany.com slash golfguys. $15 off your first box. And those weekendgolfguys.com. You ever miss a show? Go there. Facebook.com slash golf guys. Go there, please, and follow us and like us, and you will be uh, alerted every time Jeff does a live from the golf cave Facebook live program, which is going to help you as as immensely as listening to the last uh, 55 minutes or so of uh, information will. So, uh, again, just to recap, play games that help you get better. Practice shots that you know you have a problem with. Yes. Every time I get in this situation, I do this. 
people come to me a lot and say and start the golf lesson with that statement yeah. and I ask them, have you ever gone onto the golf course to try to practice to get better at it? And the answer is 99% no. No. So we go there, we deal with it. I give them the information that they need. I teach them how to hit it. Their eyes light up and they go, wow, this is nuts. This reminds me, John, I am going to post on our Facebook page a little teaser of a lesson that I gave two people about hitting shots off of really screwy lines. This is the kind of thing that we're talking about now, getting to the golf course, learning to hit the shot from the situation that we don't have to simulate it on a flat driving range because we can't. Well, you're honest with yourself. You know that there are situations you get yourself into repeatedly that you have problems getting yourself out of. Throw six balls down in the heavy fringe around a green and see how close you get to the pin. Okay? Yeah. Did I make my point? It's right on the top of your head, baby. Yeah, buddy. Because <laughs> I don't care who you are. Nobody can do that shot well without practice. Nobody. That's right. All right. Thoseweekendgolfguys.com. Go there. few things you need to do. One is fill out the form for the uh, Drinking and Driving Digest. And uh, we will have the uh, winner also to announce uh, in another, uh, well, on next week's show, the winner of the uh, Ben Hogan Wedge that uh, we're giving away. So maybe you can sneak into the Facebook page and sign up before we take it all down and try to figure out. Wait a minute. I thought I already won that. You promised. (laughs) No, it's not Jeff Smith. It's uh, it's Fred Smith. Yeah, he's the winner. (laughs) Yeah. I got a bone to pick with you. (laughs) Hey, promise him anything. (laughs) <laughs> yeah the only thing i really can promise you is that we'll be back next week with a lot more great stuff so go uh practice practice what you're bad at get better and then hey go play some golf <laughs>